0: Hey everybody, it's Lon Sibon, and it's time for your weekly wrap up and I want to begin first as we always do by thanking our newest Patreon supporters we have Jason Watkins, Aaron Bacht, Gary Johnson, who gave via the chip jar, and Zam, who gave via Super Chat. I did a live stream the other day, and Super Chat is a way that people can contribute to the channel uh, during those streams. I want to thank everyone who has supported the channel this week, those of you who continue to support the channel uh, from one week to the next, as well as all of you who watch and subscribe, because, as I say every week, we continue to grow, thankfully, and all of those things together contribute to channel growth. So I want to thank everyone for their continued support. Now, I do want to run my usual ad position here. This is another non-ad. In other words, I'm going to talk about a non-sponsor. It's an affiliate link. I'm still hoping to sell some advertising here on the wrap-up. And uh, we're going to leave this as a permanent fixture. And this one is something those of you who have access to Amazon uh, might find of interest, which is their open box and used electronics store. Uh, They sell stuff kind of like I do used Uh, for directly from Amazon with a 30-day return policy. And some of these items might actually still be eligible for their original manufacturer warranty as well. You'll have to check uh, each one individually to be sure. But Uh, One thing that I saw on there this week was uh, this Chromebook Plus from Samsung, which is actually one of my favorite Chromebooks at the moment. And if you go and look for uh, the Amazon warehouse deals as the seller, as you can see on this screenshot here, uh, you can get it for under $350. And that's a, a pretty good reduction in cost over its $400 price being new. And Uh, My theory with this is that these are customer returns, that uh, people bought the Chromebook, didn't realize what Chrome OS was, and now are uh, looking at getting it back to Amazon. When I've sold a few used Chromebooks on Amazon, every single one that I sold, somebody wanted to return because they didn't realize what they were getting into with Chrome OS, and I would imagine that is what's happening here. So you can get a pretty good deal on a, a really decent Chromebook here. So let's take a look at the week in review. I didn't get that much up on the Extras channel this week because I actually spent a lot of time this week reconfiguring my equipment here. It may not look all that different to you, but I've added some new cameras. I reconfigured how everything works here to make my uh, post-production workflow a little faster, which I'll talk about in a minute. So I was a couple days ahead on content, and I took advantage of that opportunity to finally get that item crossed off my to-do list. So we only did one thing on the Extras channel, which was uploading some captured footage from the uh, 8-bit HD NES clone console that I also reviewed last week on the channel here. And uh, this is a $29 NES clone clone console that outputs to HD. My threshold right now for reviewing these things is that they have to have some kind of HD output. So this one outputs at 720p, not as good as the Hyperkin that we looked at, but it's also $10 less. It costs $29 versus 39 and comes with two controllers also. And it seems to work okay, but uh, not a perfect replication of the NES experience. I also looked at the EverDrive N8, uh, which is a flash cartridge for the original Nintendo. It works with some of the clone consoles. I couldn't get it to work on that 8-bit HD, but somebody wrote in to say that it did work with theirs, so uh, your mileage might vary. I'm gonna try it again before I uh, pack everything up on this and that, Uh, but it's a really nice way to play games on your original hardware, as well as some of the new FPGA-based clone consoles, like the Retro USB AVS that I reviewed before. I'll put up links to all that down below in the video description, as well the analog NT mini and what's cool about this cartridge is that it adds save states to the mix so you can uh, get to a certain point in the game and actually save an image of what's in the NES memory to that spot so you can jump back to it at any time so if you're playing a hard game like Ninja Gaiden and you don't want to go back to the beginning of the level after you die you can hit a button and be brought right back to where uh, you were safely saving it earlier really works pretty well and I demonstrated uh, all of that in the video it even works with the uh, Famicom disk system as well really high end stuff there for old hardware. We also looked at the WD My Passport SSD, which I'll be talking a little more about a little later in the review. This is a portable solid-state drive that uh, works as well as many of the other ones that we've looked at. I really like these things because I often consider them to be uh, little mini RAID arrays because they're so fast. They're really good for video editing, especially when you're on the road. In fact, I edited one of my videos on a train getting bounced around with this thing hooked up to my little MacBook, and it works great just like many of the other ones do. And we also looked at the Jumper E EasyBook 3 Pro, this is another of these generic no-name Chinese uh, computers that don't cost all that much money. This is $300, it's kind of on the higher end of the cost spectrum. but. It does have a similar look to the MacBook Air and a really nice display and great battery life. It's running with the Apollo Lake chipset, so it's a little on the slower side from performance, but it did do pretty well in a lot of the things that I tested, but I did have some significant build quality issues with it, both with the casing as well as the trackpad. Uh, Some people noted I might have gotten a bad one, which might be the case, but it also speaks to some of their quality control If this is what they're putting out there. You never know what you're going to get, and that's always the risk that you run with these things, which is always why I say when you're going to buy one of these Chinese laptops buy at your own risk. And now it's time for a couple of things that are on my mind. This is week number 16 of me doing this as a full-time occupation. And uh, last week, I didn't actually shoot all that much in the studio, which is why the Extras channel didn't have all that much content on it. Uh, And that's because I actually reconfigured how I shoot videos here. And for the longest time, I was shooting 1080i, and for those of you who follow video formats, you know that's kind of an older way of shooting high-def video. And the reason why I was shooting at 1080i is because I use something called a TriCaster, which is what you see uh, me switching all the time. This is what allows me to do as much as I do because I'm able to shoot everything live to disk, combine multiple camera sources, multiple input sources like this computer here, and uh, do what, exactly what you're seeing on screen right now. So when I am done shooting this, I don't have to edit what you see right now, I'm shooting it actually as I'm recording it and it can all be done in real time. Now the problem though is that I cannot record onto the cameras themselves. I have to run everything through the TriCaster. In order to get my video to the TriCaster, I have to output via HDMI from the cameras. And few cameras actually, believe it or not, uh, will output at 30 frames per second at 1080. Most of them do an interlaced signal. And uh, when you interlace something, you have to de-interlace it to upload it to YouTube. And in the process of uh, deinterlacing the video, I was getting a lot of jagged lines and uh, seeing some detail getting uh, just wiped away on a lot of my screen captures, and it got really bad around Thanksgiving time because uh, Final Cut Pro, my editing software, made some change to how it output video, and everything I was uploading really wasn't looking all that great, and it was starting to bother me. I did find a workaround that required a lot longer rendering time when I was done, and I was really concerned that at some point, some change was going to happen with Final Cut or with YouTube that would uh, break everything that I uploaded, and I needed to find a way to record at 30p. I can't record at 60p because my TriCaster doesn't support that. Uh, They did just come out with a new TriCaster. That can, but it's about $15,000. So we're going to be waiting on that for a while. We'll hopefully uh, get it down to the low-end version that I have in the near future. So I'm thinking about another two years or so at uh, 30 frames per second. So uh, how do you solve this problem when just about every camera out there doesn't support 30 frames per second over HDMI? I was surprised that that was the case, but no camera that I had and nobody else I asked could think of a camera that did that. So I reached out to b Photo and Video. I described my problem, and they recommended this camera to me. And this is not a camera. I would recommend for other uses it's actually kind of a pain to use it's really not a very nice user interface kind of a hard camera to work with on a manual basis but uh, it is working in this particular environment and the reason why it's working is because it's one of the few cameras that can actually pump out 30p clean uh, from its hdmi port a very unique feature and uh, what was nice was that when i wrote out to B&H to say hey what's out there they came back to me in about two hours with the answer and these cameras were on sale too so i got a pretty good price from them i even got a rebate so i picked up uh, this which is the new atem television studio which i'll be unboxing soon on the extras channel and showing you how it works this is a lower cost video switcher that will allow you to do things similar to what I'm doing with my TriCaster for a lot less money. This costs about $1,000, but uh, if you're looking to make your workflow more efficient, recording the way I do is the way to do it. Live to disc makes a big difference, but it adds some complexity, namely the fact that I was uh, shooting interlaced for all this time, and now finally I'm not, and these cameras are making it happen. It's going to make my uploads go faster faster. Uh, it may result in some better video quality, perhaps. You might see a little improvement, but not a big improvement, just because I'm not really changing the type of camera that I'm using. But uh, this made a big difference on the back end here, but it did take some time to get everything configured and working. And uh, now it is. And uh, you can see some of the things that I was doing to tweak some of my TriCaster settings on the live stream that I shot earlier in the week, which is linked down below in the master playlist. And uh, it's really nice just having BNH out there, because when I have questions that I can't find it answer to, they typically are able to find me something that's going to work. So what's nice is that if you are uh, dealing with some kind of video problem, if you or photo problem, or anything else that they sell, if you write to them via their contact page, uh, somebody from their sales department will get back to you very quickly with the answer, which is not something you see these days. An actual uh, person with expertise that you can consult before you spend your money. It's really been helpful and I definitely recommend uh, going to them if you have any issues. And that is not an ad. I paid them for all the stuff that I just talked about, but it really solved the big problem for me and it started just by asking them a question. And now it's time for some viewer Q&A, and if video formats weren't confusing enough for you, how about some USB Type-C action now? Uh, So Ryan writes in about the WD SSD that I reviewed the other day, because this is a USB Type-C device, and I'll show you the back of it here. And uh, what WD did is they gave you a USB Type-C cable in the box, but if your computer has a legacy older USB-A connector like this one, uh, they gave you this adapter that you could simply plug in like so, and allow you to adapt the new format to the old one you can be on your way. In fact, I used this on the train the other day as I was editing a video. No problem with this drive. However, one of the things that Ryan points out that this might be a violation of the USB Type-C specification. And there is a, a USB-C guru who works for Google by the name of Benson Leung, and he uh, posts a lot of stuff on Google+. Plus. It's still a thing, by the way, Google+, and he's always looking at... All these different cables and adapters that are coming out and testing them to make sure that you can safely use them with your expensive computer. And he points out uh, that this device here is actually not only a violation of the USB-C standard, it's actually forbidden by it. And you can see here some more detail from a post that uh, Benson made back in 2015. So he said, if a C-receptacle-to-A plug adapter exists, they allow the user to plug one in on both ends of the cable, uh, creating an invalid cable that could devolve into a USB uh, A-to-A cable. And that's one of the worst things you could have plugged in, apparently, in USB world because uh, you've got voltage crossing both ways and it creates a whole host of problems. I'm not an electronics expert. I'm sure somebody will sign off below and uh, tell us exactly some of the things that can occur if you create one of those scenarios, but uh, they banned this type of adapter because it creates a scenario where a user could accidentally create the cable that they are just talking about here, and uh, you don't want that to happen. So will anything bad happen if you use this adapter uh, with this drive? Likely not, because WD probably wouldn't ship something like this if it was dangerous for its device or what you were plugging it into. However, it could be dangerous if you start using it with other devices or uh, combine it with some other crazy adapter, like apparently this out-of-spec adapter I talked about the other day as well. So you need to be careful with these things because they're really running outside the specification. And one other area of caution on this is how they designed this cable. So if you look on the uh, WD supplied cable here, maybe hard to see on camera, but there's a little notch here uh, that lines up with a little notch on the adapter. So if you look here on the adapter, there's that little piece of plastic sticking out. And this ensures that you plug this thing in in the correct, the correct orientation. So unlike other USB devices, this one needs to be plugged in to its uh, host cable here like so. You can't plug it in actually upside down. It just won't go in because that piece of plastic prevents it from fully seating itself. So it has to be plugged in where these two arrows meet each other. But this cable is not actually part of the USB specification either because it has the notch on it. And I found that if I plug it into other USB Type-C devices, it just connects up fine in any orientation because uh, that little notch and key mechanism here is not part of the specification. So this thing really does uh, fly outside of the USB-C spec. It was probably done so that they could save some money by not including two cables in the box. It was cheaper to ship a... Uh, adapter and cable together versus two cables. And uh, therefore, I would recommend only using it with this drive, with this cable, and that's it. Because you never know what kind of combination uh, you might create with this thing inadvertently, perhaps, as you're playing around with it. So my uh, big recommendation would be to go out and find a cable, which are very easy to find. They're very inexpensive. I covered it in my uh, USB Type-C survival guide. Uh, Buy a cable that will do what you're looking to do here with the adapter. I think that's the safest way to go. You'll probably get one for 4 or 5 bucks on Amazon, if that, very inexpensive, and uh, you will be compliant with the spec and have the safeguards in place that prevent you from doing something inadvertently that might fry your drive or worse your computer. And Knight 211 wrote in wondering why consumers should look at buying one of these solid state drives for a lot of money versus uh, one of these USB sticks for a lot less money. And I think if you're just moving some photos around and maybe doing a backup every once in a while, these things are probably okay for that, provided you have a couple of them and you're replicating your backups and your photos and whatnot. Uh, but if you need speed and reliability, and basically hard drive performance Uh, That is why you go with the SSD. So I'll give you some examples as to what I'm using my SSDs for so you can decide uh, which will work best for you. So my primary use of these devices is video editing. And not only do these things provide a tremendous amount of speed to get that work done, in other words, they can transit all of the data back and forth to my computer so I don't have any drop frames while I'm working on things. Uh, They're also a lot more reliable than a spinning external hard drive would be, which is using mechanical parts versus a solid state drive like this one. So if I'm on the train, and people are coming on and off and I'm getting knocked around a little bit. The drive, even if it's in use, is not going to be susceptible to damage provided it stays plugged in. And the USB Type-C connectors usually uh, hang on pretty decently. So it's just more reliable right at the outset. But the speed that these drives can operate at is pretty astounding. Generally, I'm seeing anywhere from... 400 megabytes per second up to 500 megabytes per second depending on the drive that I'm using uh, in reads out of the drive and typically when I'm editing and I'm editing a multi-camera project for example the read speed is really critical so that all of those different video streams as they're being displayed on my screen simultaneously uh, can get to the computer at a rate in which I can work efficiently and that is something that even a mechanical spinning drive can't provide so spending a little bit extra for the performance for me is definitely worth it and uh, the reliability also adds uh, into the mix because if I'm out in the field somewhere and I drop the drive uh, generally it will survive uh, most of the drops that it will be susceptible to, uh, whereas a mechanical drive may not be as fortunate. So that is a, a really good selling point there. So definitely for video editing, I think if you're doing game captures using uh, some capture devices, these will work really well too because they can actually write at a very decent rate as well. So typically I'm seeing uh, on the slower end of the of the scale around 300 megabytes a second or so like this one does, and some can go higher than that, uh, more than adequate for capturing game footage and uh, very reliable, again, because you can move it around while you're out at a LAN party or whatever they call them these days to uh, not worry about having some damage on a really critical capture that you're trying to make. Another area that I use these for is for running operating systems. So on my Mac, I often boot it up into Windows, and I do that by using an external SSD because they are just about as fast as an internal hard drive might be, not some of the newer ones, but uh, adequate enough for uh, what most people would consider to be a functional uh, operating system experience. So I use a uh, Samsung version of this to boot up Windows on my Mac works fine. I'm able to play games and uh, do all the things you typically do on a Windows computer, and I'm not noticing any real slowdown when I'm connected via the external drive versus using uh, Mac OS 10 on my internal drive. It just works great. I think if you measured the benchmarks of course, uh, these would be slower, but for what most users would perceive as a functional, uh, fast experience these things will deliver that. Try booting up an operating system on a USB stick and you'll see exactly what the differences are there. Uh, the last area is something I use when I'm testing PCs. So uh, this little SSD here is one that Uh, Stores a whole bunch of steam games as well as my 3d mark benchmarks and everything so I don't have to re download uh, Multiple gigabytes worth of games every time I get a new computer in to review here I just plug this drive in Uh, it is fast enough to play the games at uh, their full rate of speed because again These drives can read at uh, close to four or five hundred megabytes per second give or take and it's fine for playing any Modern game out there no slowdown no lag or anything It works great and I'm also able to store all of my other benchmarking items on here as well like you might on a USB drive But again everything executes at uh, solid state drive speed so really it's all about performance it's about reliability and you are paying a price for that but if you just need to put some photos on something and move them around uh, the USB stick will do the job but when you really want to do uh, all the things that it's talked about an SSD is definitely the way to go. And during my live stream, I mentioned how uh, printer reviews actually do very well here on the channel versus other types of products. And uh, he was wondering what type of printer I use personally a laser printer or an inkjet printer. And the answer is a laser printer. And that is because I don't print all that often. I do maybe five or six pages of stuff a week. And I usually print out a little cheat sheet when I'm reviewing something to make sure I cover all the things that I wish to cover. And uh, unlike an iPad or a tablet that will shut itself off after 10 seconds, the piece of paper typically stays on, which is why I usually print something out to... Uh, guide me through my shooting process. But uh, that laser printer is a Lexmark. It came in through the Amazon Vine program free of charge about three or four years ago. I'll put a link down in the uh, master playlist to the review of it. I am still on the original toner cartridge that uh, that printer came with. So that gives you an idea as to what my print volume is. Now, if I was using an inkjet printer, I probably would have swapped out cartridges at least 10 or 15 times since then because the less you print with an inkjet, the more ink you use because you have to continually run ink through those nozzles to get them cleaned out. And if you are printing very infrequently, uh, there is nothing better than a laser printer because I could go for two weeks without printing to that printer. When I hit print, it comes back on and everything's exactly the way it was the last time I printed something out. And they are uh, much better for low volume environments. In fact, there are a lot of low cost black and white laser printers that cost, I think I've reviewed one recently, that cost around a hundred bucks or so and they will last a lot longer if you're not printing to them all that often, and I would definitely suggest going in that direction, especially if you don't need color, uh, because those printers are much friendlier to infrequent printers like myself. Now this next slide about Nintendo and clone consoles was actually in the deck here before today's breaking news from Nintendo, which I'm going to talk about in a minute, but a lot of people were speculating as to why Nintendo themselves just doesn't make a proper uh, NES clone console, for example. We're seeing a lot of cheap clone consoles out there that really don't uh, replicate the original very well. And why doesn't Nintendo do it if there are willing customers to pay for one? And I think there's a whole host of reasons why they don't. They clearly want to uh, get you into their new consoles versus selling you something that runs old software that they can't profit from. Uh, But there's something else that just happened today that kind of uh, sparked my interest, which is Nintendo's announcement of the SNES Classic Edition. Now, I did not think this would happen because... I really felt as though the NES Classic Edition was more of a uh, marketing stunt to get them through the holiday season of 2016 to appease their shareholders. Because if we rewind uh, back to November, December of 2016, uh, Nintendo really did not have anything compelling to offer to the marketplace that was new for the holiday season, which is a very critical component of. Uh, any toy or video game company's business model, because that is when people buy the most stuff, is around the holidays to give as gifts. And they came up with a brilliant idea, which was to uh, come up with this little retro-inspired game console, kind of a collector's item that would appeal not only to young people, but to older people like myself, and they didn't make enough of them. So, guess what? The media started buzzing about Nintendo uh, basically doing a new version of something that was very, very familiar and kind of ingrained into American pop culture throughout the 80s and 90s, and the pop culture for that matter, around a big portion of the world as well. Brilliant move, got people talking about Nintendo, got people thinking about that brand again, uh, just in time for a March release of the Nintendo Switch. And look what happened. The Switch is uh, currently selling out every time it shows up on a shelf somewhere, and it seems to be doing, at least in the initial couple of months here, quite well, better perhaps than Nintendo and many analysts predicted. And I think that that NES Classic Edition was a real good move to get the brand talked about and thought about again in a way that Uh, would lead consumers to being interested in buying something new from them, which is why this is such a surprise to me, because uh, I'm not sure why they want to have uh, two two heavily talked-about devices out in the marketplace at the same time. Uh, To some degree, I think this might actually overshadow the switch to some degree, unless they don't make enough, and I think that is where they're going with this. I think they're going to make, again, the same low quantity of these devices People are going to be buzzing about the Nintendo, the Super Nintendo. They're going to go into the store looking for one. They're not going to find one, but Nintendo hopes, I'm guessing this is their strategy, uh, that they'll have enough Switch consoles available so that they will at least start selling those to people who are also interested in buying a Switch. And on the Switch, you'll be able to get some of these games that are also going to be on these little mini consoles. So I'm sure you can play Earthbound and the unreleased Star Fox sequel they're uh, touting on this console through, of course... Nintendo's new online service that they're going to sell for 20 bucks a year. And I'm willing to bet you that when you hook up your Switch in the holiday season of 2017, there's going to be a free trial period uh, where you can play those classic games to your heart's content. Uh, Unlimited library of all these great classic games you'll be able to play for free on your TV or handheld on the portable. And then uh, when that little trial period ends, you'll probably forget to cancel it and Nintendo will get 20 bucks out of you in perpetuity for all of its old games. That's the strategy. I don't think many of us are going to find one of these uh, SNES consoles without paying a scalper for one, and really it's going to be designed to drive people to, again, keep Nintendo top of mind as a brand and get them into this new console that will be in, in plentiful supply, and uh, hopefully, for Nintendo at least, a constant source of revenue to the tune of 20 bucks a year. That's my prediction. We'll see if it's true uh, when we get to January. And now it's time for a Q&A for you, and I want to talk this week about the weekly wrap-up because I'm always looking to make this a more compelling uh, watch for you, the viewer. We've been getting progressively longer as... Uh, My time has been getting more uh, amenable to spending more time on the channel here, so that's been a good thing. And in fact, even though the videos are longer than they have been, at least for the wrap-up, I'm not seeing a reduction in viewership, which is good. But I do spend the most amount of time each week uh, on the channel here with this video versus the other ones that I do, and I want to get more people watching it, so I'd love to get some feedback from all of you as to uh, some of the things you'd like to see me do more of, uh, less of, or perhaps things that I am not doing now that I should be doing on this show. Do you want to see more news, more Q&A? Let me know because I'm always eager to improve and... Uh, This is one video that I want to see more subscribers watching uh, than are now, and I want to find some ways to get more people to watch. So definitely let me know down in the comments below some of the things you would like to see changed about the wrap-up, and I will incorporate those into some future episodes that are coming up. And our channel of the week this week is another car channel that I've been enjoying. Uh, This is Doug DeMuro's channel. He's actually got a good number of subscribers, and if you are into cars, there's a good chance you are one of them. And... Uh, what Doug does is he gets uh, gets to drive a lot of crazy cars that his viewers let him take out for a spin, and he's just got so much enthusiasm, and it's not like this really uh, super technical review of a car. It's actually, you know, what this guy thinks about it, kind of like how I review tech. So I've really been enjoying watching his videos, and if you're into cars like I am, uh, definitely worth checking out. You can see some of his more recent videos here where he gets to drive a Lamborghini Diablo. He's got a McLaren 570S, uh, Acura NSX. He's got a whole bunch of cool cars that he's been looking at over the years, and Uh, Really fun approach to making these videos, too, so I would definitely check out his channel if you like cars like me. And this week on the channel, I do hope to finally get that HP printer unpacked and printing. Part of the problem is, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, it's so big that i got to get somebody over here to help me get it out of the crate that it's in. But uh, we're going to take a look at that page-wide printer. Hopefully I finally got some time to uh, spend with it, so maybe I'll be doing that later in the week. Uh, We're also going to do a new edition of Didn't Make the Cut. I've got at least three or four things I can talk about for the next episode. Some of you were asking for when I was going to do the next one, so uh, that will be coming up soon. A lot of you enjoyed that one. Uh, These are things that I started to work on for a review, but they were so bad or just not good enough to uh, really warrant me spending as much time as I spend on my videos making a video about that product. So I'll talk about a few more things that just didn't make it to uh, the point where I could uh, really comfortably review them. And, of course, I've got a bunch of other stuff that I'll be taking a look at this week as well. Now, if you want to help the channel, you can. You can go to lawntv slash Patreon and make a monthly contribution to the channel. We also have my tip jar set up at lawntv slash tip jar where you can make a one-time contribution. And of course, I've got Venmo set up. So if you want to contribute that way, you can go through Venmo and Uh, That's good for international viewers. We still have our ongoing relationship going with Plex, where if you sign up for a free Plex account, no credit card required. We get a small commission from that. Uh, We also have gifting set up where you can gift a Plex Pass subscription to a friend or family member, and we'll get a commission from that as well. You can see those two links down below for that. You can engage with the channel. My extras channel has always got something cool going on, hopefully, at lawntv slash extras. Maybe I'll show you bumbling around with my printer as I try to get it out of the uh, cocoon it's in right now. Uh, the email list, which I hope to get an email out to you all soon, at lawntv slash email. My Facebook page is at lawntv slash Facebook, and the store is at lawntv slash store. And that's where I sell a lot of the things that I review here on the channel. These are used items that uh, were featured in the reviews, and I have an alert set up so that every time I make a change to the store, I'll send an email out so you know that there was something new added or taken away or whatever. So be on the lookout for that. Right now, I've got that Dell AMD gaming laptop still up there. Uh, the Microsoft Surface laptop is up there as well. Uh, these are being sold, of course, for less than their retail price because they were open, taken out of the box, and reviewed here on the channel. So you'll get a, a good deal on a practically new device. So be on the lookout for that. My live streams are archived at lon.tv slash live streams. I do them uh, whenever I have the opportunity. So you never know when I'll pop up. So you may want to click on that notification bell so you get a notification when I do go live, so be on the lookout for more live streams in the near future. And you may not know, but I've been doing some podcasting lately. It's actually just taking what you see here on the weekly wrap-up and putting it into audio form, but as the show gets longer, that might be a more desirable way to listen to me rambling on, so uh, you can download the audio version of this on my podcast feed, which you can find on iTunes as well as Google Play, and just about uh, any other podcasting application should have me listed. Uh, You might need to look for Lawn Reviews Tech. I'm going to be updating my feeds to the lawn.tv branding. Uh, gets into the mix as well. But you should be able to find me in audio form there. I also have archives of all of my prior interviews up there too. A lot of cool people I've interviewed over the years and all of that stuff is archived there for your free consumption. So have at it. That's going to do it for this week's weekly wrap-up. I want to thank everyone for your continued support and comments and questions and all the other stuff that you uh, do to help uh, guide me as I continue to grow this channel. We've had a very good uh, week and a half or so with some really cool devices that came in. So I'm hoping to keep that momentum going Uh, So definitely keep all those comments coming in. I do read every one, even if I don't reply to everybody, because sometimes it's hard to reply depending on where I am physically. A lot of times I'm on my phone uh, scrolling through the comment feed. But uh, please do keep commenting because I do see everything, and I greatly appreciate all of your feedback. So that will do it for this week. This is Lon Seidman. Thanks for watching. This channel is brought to you by my Patreon supporters, including Gold Level supporters Mark Bollinger and Cody Falk. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month. Head over to lon.tv Patreon to learn more.